Uh, If you guys have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 20. That'll be our kind of where where we'll be landing this morning. And um, I I figured we're in John. We're in the author John in Revelation. We might as well be there for Easter as well. Get get the full picture. And I love um, uh, Easter. I love Easter, and we I love it so much that I feel like we celebrate it every week. But I'm going to say this at the beginning of this sermon. He is risen. He is risen risen indeed. Amen. I love that Easter is during the springtime. I I love it because even though like maybe this day or Sundays this springtime haven't been the, the best or the most fantastic. But it reminds me that Jesus resurrection is something that we talk about all the time. We talk about all the time, we see all the time, and yet we celebrate it at a special time. And it is something that it reminds me, having Easter being the springtime, that Jesus' resurrection is amazing and it's fresh. Just the fact that the flowers are starting to show themselves and and it's starting to become more regular that they're popping up, but it's not ordinary. It's actually extraordinary. It's beautiful at the same time. It happens every year. But just the fact that this happens uh, like this is amazing to me. Sorry. Is that better? Yeah. You don't like the echo. No. Mo does not like the echo. So, um, But I know it's fresh. But we marvel at new sights, new sounds, and new smells every spring, don't we? Like we see the flowers, we hear the birds, and we love it. I feel like every year I discover a new bird that's probably been there my whole life, but I just didn't know it was there. Um, the normalness of, of how we talk about the event of the resurrection is something that as Christians we are tempted to be lulled to sleep by. We're tempted to be lulled to sleep. I I don't know how many Easter services I've left and I've heard people go, well, yeah, that was Easter. Like that was Easter. Yep, Jesus rose from the dead. And yet at the same time, like it's a temptation for us to be lulled to sleep, but we shouldn't. I, I pray that we will not allow Easter and all the wonder and all the life changing power that is in this event ever get old to us. Let us not allow Easter to pass and just be another marker of the Christian year or whatever you may be or just another one of your church years. I pray that it is fresh. If we believe this for the first time today or that if it's your 70th whatever time of believing and being in a church where we say he is risen, he is risen indeed, that this idea, this fact that Jesus rose from the dead never gets old. And as we are not to be lulled asleep, Easter is also, in my opinion, uh, maybe it's my newer opinion, like the last seven years, it's not to be treated like the Super Bowl Sunday of Christianity either. As Karina said last week, she said something about Easter's not the big show. She couldn't figure it out when she was first a Christian. Why is this day so much bigger than all the other days? And to get the resurrection but it was like as if church was like, this is the event, right? Like, I mean, churches in America give away cars, have petting zoos, <laughs> do have photo booths, stuff like that. I mean, they have all these things that I don't, if you want to do that and the Holy Spirit's leading you to do that, go right ahead. But this isn't the event. We celebrate this event each and every year, each and every day, actually, we get to live out the resurrection of Jesus with each and every step. 
It is something that we celebrate every week. And it is something so amazing that I pray that we get to awaken to the glory and grace of Jesus rising from the dead. But it also doesn't have to be this massive extravaganza every week. Our lives get to be shaped by this. And I feel like if we just do it one big time a year, that it's not as shaping as the every day. And I love that Easter happens in the spring because Easter uh, reminds me, it keeps it fresh in my heart. It really does. Just seeing the flowers come up as we think about the resurrection. It adds to the joy of the season as the days get sunnier, the days get lighter. Um, Honestly, so does my disposition and so does my desire to worship and see God alive and at work. So Easter having it in the springtime helps helps it be alive and it's not just the big show or the super bowls of sunday and this is because um this needs to be surprising to us and unexpected the resurrection that we get to celebrate today it's something that we live every day and we get to live I, i would say it this way we get to live into the resurrection each and every day And some of us may need to decide again and again, each and every day, to live into the resurrection. Because Jesus has risen from the dead. Amen? He is alive. He is still alive. He is forever alive. And I pray that we may allow this to surprise us and to bless us. The text today comes from John chapter 20, verse 1 through 18. It's one of my favorite texts. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved and said to him, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were both going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first and And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went in the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not uh, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in its place. Then the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went in and saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary Magdalene, or Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look in the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. One one at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but must go to my brother, uh, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to the Father, to my Father and to your Father, to my God 
and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he said these things to her. I love this story so much for so many different reasons. I I love it. And, And I love when Mary went to the tomb to freshen it. She did not expect this. She did not expect to find Jesus alive. She expected to find him dead and just to simply go put in some herbs so that Jesus' tomb wouldn't stink. That as the decay of his body was there, that he wouldn't stink any any longer because she loved him. And it would have been a part of her mourning and her honoring her love for Jesus. She went to do this. And, And during this, The angels ask, woman, why are you weeping? But then, after that, she turns around. Jesus asks her, woman, why are you weeping? In whom are you seeking? This question that Jesus asked Mary is the question that he asks us each and every day. Whom are you seeking? Mary was there seeking her teacher, the one who had forgiven her sins and given her dignity and worth. In a culture that didn't have a lot of respect for women, in fact, that she even went and said, hey, he's not there. And they're like, we don't believe you. We got to go check this out. And, and yet Jesus respected her. And Jesus did this. Jesus had many women friends and many of them were still around. They didn't abandon Jesus like a lot of Jesus' male disciples. But even in what... Even in death, they tried honoring him with these scents. And Jesus asked, whom are you seeking? We still seek for Jesus, amen? We seek for him differently than Mary did, but still seeking, always seeking. We are seeking the risen Christ. We are seeking the one who defeated death, the one who is no longer on the cross, the one who is no longer bruised, and and buried, but is in heaven, reigning on high. This is the Jesus who on, uh, during Holy Week, flipped over tables, the one who cursed the fig tree, as we learned last week, the one who was put on the cross, who was put to death, and death couldn't even hold him. Whom are you seeking? This Jesus, the one who death can't hold. We seek this Jesus, Uh, Not just because he rose from the dead, but he did this because of his great love for us. And that is why we seek him. We seek him because we long for the forgiveness that he gives us. We long for wholeness that only he can provide. We long to feel uh, like we have a sense of worth to someone. We know that in Jesus... We have found what, he, what we are looking for. We know that he is risen, that Jesus is alive, and this changes our entire life. If the knowledge of forgiveness and, and somebody bestowing worth on you was to be lived out, if knowing that Jesus is alive and all that that means, and by the way, I think that this takes a lifetime of exploring to figure out what it means for us, then this event changes our life. And we live into the resurrection day in and day out. Again, this gets to be lived out each day. This marvelous event is something that we pray will always be fresh in our minds and our hearts. Two parables that Jesus told us show us how much worth this is to us. How much value it can give to our lives. And the parables 
are found in Matthew 13. And one's called the parable of the hidden treasure. And the other one's called the parable of the great value. And I love these parables because they're short, they're concise, and, but it shows what the resurrection is worth in our life. Here's, the, here's these verses. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. Jesus' resurrection means the kingdom of God is real. Jesus' resurrection makes him the king of kings and lord of lords. Jesus is the king of this kingdom, and this kingdom is worth selling everything that we have with joy to follow it. Because we found something of greater value. We give up a lot to follow Jesus each and every day. The world tells us, why would you give up so much? Why would, why would we do this? Some of us have had to forsake mother and father just to follow Jesus. And what that means is that we follow Jesus regardless of what our family thinks. The resurrected Savior is worth giving everything up for. And this is not a one-time giving up, although it starts with the first time. But it is a lifetime of giving up. But as Christians, as those who follow the risen Christ, we don't look at it as if we've given up anything. Because we've found something and we've gained so much more. We get Christ. We get Jesus. We get life with Him. And that life is better than anything and I pray, I pray that in light of the resurrection, we live like this. So I ask the question, well, this scripture asks the question, woman, whom are you seeking? We are seeking the risen Christ. He has risen. He has risen indeed. And this year, as I was studying the scripture and looking at this scripture, Peter and the disciple that Jesus loved ran to the tomb. The disciple that Jesus loved is John, the author of this particular scripture. And John won the race. And I love that he kind of like brags about it, humble brags. He's like, and the disciple that Jesus loved got there first. Actually, I don't think that John was bragging. Uh, I think that he was, he was actually um, lifting up Peter because Peter just went and he barged right in. He's like, where's Jesus? Let me see this. And it fits with everything that we know about Peter. But I love that John eventually too went in. He was a little bit more timid, it seemed like. But both of them saw the same thing. The tomb was empty. The tomb was empty. John, the, the Apostle John, was there at the cross. He watched Jesus die. Jesus talked to him from the cross. While... Peter had denied knowing Jesus three times. And I think Peter just wanted to see if Jesus is alive and say, I'm sorry that I denied you. And live out repentance towards this. These men would go on to be some of the most influential people in all of history. And it started by looking in an empty tomb to make sure that it was empty. And it was. And it still is. Because Jesus was alive and Jesus is alive today. I love that John went into the tomb and he saw and he believed even though it says that he didn't understand the scripture yet. I love that because uh, knowing scripture is not a prerequisite to knowing Jesus. 
In fact, we'll talk a little bit later as we support voices of, voices of the Martyrs this month that many Christians don't have Bibles at all. And if they do, they get certain sections of it, not the entire thing. And yet they still know Jesus. They still believe that Jesus is alive, that He is risen. They will come, and, and Scripture though will become important. With time and explanation, we'll see why Scripture is so important and see why as Christians we read it, we study it, we believe, we believe the Scriptures. But as we look into the tomb, we can see that it's empty. And this means that Jesus is alive. And this is what we must believe. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Belief in this Believe in this, and then we can be saved. And then we receive the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into a deeper relationship with Jesus. But first, we get to stick our heads inside the tomb and believe that Jesus is there no longer. If we believe that Jesus is risen from the dead, if we believe that the tomb of, of, is empty, then this changes everything. It changes who we are. We were once dead like Jesus, and now we are alive through new life through him. We get to live the resurrection as well as, uh, um, and resurrection looks different in our life. It changed Jesus, but it also changes us. And it changes us in both extraordinary ways and in ordinary ways. In ordinary ways, we get a meal set before us. And I love this. Communion reminds us of Jesus' broken body and shed blood. Before Jesus went to the cross, he started by giving us communion. And we partake of this each and every week or just about every week that we can at Grace and Mercy Church. And the reason that we do this is so that we can remember Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection each week. We also remember so much more, right? That Jesus saves us, that Jesus loves us, even to the point of death on a cross, that Jesus forgives us through his shed blood and we can forgive one another. We are also given this as a meal in communion. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection from the dead changes meals for us as Christians. And I'm talking about like lunch, right? It changes these things for us. We get to eat to sustain our daily lives, amen? And Jesus gives us our daily bread. We pray for this, and he seems to provide it for us, which we, we, greatly, uh, we greatly partake in. And he gives us our ordinary meals even as a, or just as a gift. Even our snacks, if you snack, they are gifts from Jesus. Ordinary and common, yes, but a great gift at the same time. Looking in the empty tomb and seeing that Jesus is not dead, in finding the one that we seek, in finding Jesus, it changes the way that we do common things like eating our meals. It brings an appreciation for the mundane and daily events of life. It changes the way that we live. We see life differently because of this. We see food as not just something we bought at the store, but something that God provided. It also, the resurrection of Jesus, changes our family. Once we believe, we are giving a, given a new family that is bought with the precious blood of Jesus. As we believe that the tomb is empty and that Jesus rose from the dead, we have new brothers and new sisters from every tribe, nation, and tongue. And this is a beautiful thing. This is not ordinary. It's so extraordinary. We are given 
um, we are given a, a good, good father who cares for us so deeply that he gives us a new family, who forgives all our sins, all the things that we've done wrong, all the ways that we've lived imperfectly, even the ones that we've not seen, all these have been absolved, and we are then not seen as sinners. We are seen as beloved. We are accepted for who we are. We are looked at not with disappointment or disapproval. We are looked at in all that the love that God gives to us. He bears all the wrongs on the cross for us that we could ever bring to the table. And he says, you're my beloved. Now in this new family, our father is very, very good. Amen. Jesus is very, very good. The rest of our family is like any other family. Amen. There are some dysfunction. There's some drama and some infighting. But you will find some brothers and sisters that you can walk life with Christ in. And that will be a blessing. And we get to remember that the rest of the family's lives, even the ones that we don't agree with, they get the same forgiveness and the same grace that we do. And this is, um, I guess it's, it's a warning and something I, I, want, I need to remind myself of. That as Christians, we don't always line up with each other. We don't always live to the same ideals that we want to. But we get to live up to the forgiveness that Jesus gives us and we get to extend that to others as well. This is why it's called grace. It's undeserved. It's unearned. And yet, the Holy Spirit bestows this upon us by a gracious God who loves us. He sent His Son Jesus to live into perfection for us, to die on the cross, and to be buried in a tomb, but not to stay there. He rises again so that we might be able to look in that tomb, see that it's empty, and believe that He has risen. He is risen indeed. I pray that we might live into the freshness of Jesus' resurrection. Not just today. Not just today, but every day. I pray that if we decide today to find whom we seek, that we will, pray, that we will decide who we seek in Jesus. That as God asks us, whom are you seeking? We can say you. Thank you for showing up. And not only that, not only can we see that we are seeking him, but we might realize that he's been seeking us out this entire time. I pray that we might seek Jesus every day because he is seeking for us. I pray that we might look into the empty tomb, not just today, but every day and see that it is still empty. And I pray that we let this event, Jesus' death, his burial and his resurrection change us in extraordinary and ordinary ways. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. From Jesus' death comes our spiritual birth. From Jesus' resurrection comes the power to live in this new life. From death to life. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Jesus, we thank you that the tomb is empty. We thank you that we, like Mary, when asked, whom are you seeking? We can say that we are seeking you. So Jesus, please speak to us. And Lord, may we find that the tomb is empty. In Jesus' name, amen.